Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Knowledge with Homage. I am your host, David Castle, coming at you live on this, the 5th of August, 2020. Maybe it isn't live, though. Maybe you're listening a thousand years in the future on a different planet when we've colonized a, a new land because we've blown this one up with nuclear bombs like it's Beirut, Lebanon. Ah, yes, crazy things are going on, folks. Uh, not only, you know, it's not like the virus was enough. You know, they had to bring in the race riots. And now we're back to blowing up the Middle East. That never stopped, though. Uh, who knows who did it? We'll get to that later. It's too early to tell. That was only yesterday. Ex- incredible explosion in Beirut. Just catastrophic, devastating. And being that it's 2020, it's caught a million different angles. They caught this thing. Uh, the explosion, and just, you know, rest in peace to everybody who lost their lives in that, and, you know, nothing but prayers and blessings to everybody who's struggling through that terrible event that took place there. Uh, But I hope you're all doing well out there regardless of that and staying sane through this whole great reset, new normal, COVID-19 bullshit that we're going through that is 2020. And it really has been an incredible year. It's been a hell of a year. Everything's been flipped upside down. Everything has changed. And we're supposed to just go along with it, not ask any questions, and not point out any of the contradictions of of the things that we are being told to do by the supposed authorities, you know, the people who know better than you, the experts who are supposed to just blindly obey because they just care about us so much, right? Does anyone believe that? I think a lot of people do, and that's... That's the scary part. But regardless of that, I hope everyone is just trying to stay sane out there and hopefully you haven't had too many arguments and and fights with with your loved ones and your friends because I know a lot of relationships are blowing up, you know, some some person might believe something about something and then the other person believes the opposite and then it creates a big conflict. And people get pissed at each other and friendships get lost. And that's what they want. This is the divide and conquer strategy that has been employed across the globe in order to topple regimes, create regime change, get our guy in there so we can exploit their country. The CIA has been doing this for almost 100 years now, eh, at least 70. And it's being done to us. And this is the type of things that we're going to discuss today. But first of all, I'd like to apologize for how long it's been since my last broadcast. If there's anyone out there still listening, I don't blame you if you're not, but if there's anyone still out there who's been waiting for me, I'm here. I've just been away for a bit. But I'm back. And I got some stories to tell you. So the other day I went to the grocery store. I went to Food Max. That's what it was called. A little grocery store in my town here. And I've been avoiding the grocery store because you got to put on the fucking mask. Sometimes I don't go with the mask, but, you know, it's, I'm not going to lie, it's easier to go with the mask because you don't got to deal with all the bullshit. And uh, I wasn't feeling like dealing with it today, so I put it on, and I went into the store, and I go and shop, and it wasn't too bad. And uh, there wasn't too many people there. Get all the stuff I need. I hadn't been shopping in a while because, like I said, I'm trying to avoid the store. I don't like going in there. I don't like seeing everybody in their masks, everybody social distancing, the fucking signs everywhere, the the plexiglass between you and the cashier, even if, if you even get a cashier. So I'm buying all my stuff, you know, whatever. I fill up my cart, get all my shit, 
And then I go up to the checkout counter, or what I thought was the checkout counter. I'm just standing in an aisle. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Big line of people. And uh, there's nobody working the checkouts. There's one guy for, you know, 50 customers. And we're just, you know, snaking around the store, waiting for our turn to buy our items. And this is one of those places where you, they don't even bag the shit for you anymore. That's that's a thing of the past. There's no courtesy. There's no customer experience. None of that stuff anymore. That's a thing of the past. That's a 90s thing, early 2000s. At least for me, I'm not that old, but I'm sure there was a time back in the day when it was a lot different than that. You, My grandma told me stories of her mom pinning a little a little note to her, her uh, breast pocket on her jacket, and it would be the grocery list, and she would walk down to the little grocer, and then the guy would just give her all the stuff, and then the mom would come pay later, maybe in a couple days. And there used to be that type of trust in the neighborhood. Could you imagine somebody doing that today? First of all, you get child protective services called on you. They'd probably take your kid away. If your kid even makes it to the store without getting raped and murdered, ah, that's unlikely that that would happen. But with all the television and all the murder shows and all that, that's what we think would happen. So nobody does it. And there's no trust anyways. Nobody's going to pay for something that they say they're going to pay for. That's why we have credit cards now. There's no person-to-person credit. There's credit cards with high interest rates. Anyways... I'm waiting to buy my items, everyone's social distance, we're all kind of looking at each other in our fucking masks, like what the heck is going on, Where, where's the checkout, where's the people that work at the store, you know, and uh, you know, like 10 minutes go by, we haven't moved, and we're like, okay, so th- then one guy sees that, oh, one of the self-checkouts are open, it's like, I'm usually very against the self-checkout, I hate the fact that they're replacing us with robots, and they're doing it in the grocery store because we have to go to the grocery store. And it's just one of those things we can, you know, they can do. They can replace us with robots, replace the cashiers at least. And I'm against it, but I was in a hurry. I was sick of waiting, so I'm like, all right, I'll go do that. So after, you know, 15 minutes, whatever, just standing there like an idiot, I go to buy my items. I scan them all. You know, apparently I work at a grocery store now. Doing all that stuff, you know, I'm keying in my produce and and doing all that bullshit, bagging my items. And then I go to pay for it. I put my stuff in the cart, you know, getting ready to leave. And then it won't let me pay for it. It says, you know, fucking error. You gotta you gotta get a guy or something, you know, somebody an actual human. And good luck with that. I sit there for like ten minutes, my little light on my thing is blinking. Nobody comes there. So I'm like, forget it. So I just walk out. I just leave all the stuff there and I just leave. I can't tell you how many times I've went to restaurants, grocery stores, things like that with an intention of going inside and purchasing stuff and (laughs) doing business there. And then I just leave because I'm like, I'm not doing this, man. I can't put up with this stuff. So then I went to uh, the little Mexican store down the street from my house and uh, I just bought all my stuff there. I didn't wear a mask. They didn't care. So I was like, forget. I paid a lot more for less stuff. But it was worth it to me. Anyways, that's my life. (laughs) Man, I hate the self-checkout. The grocery store is just an atrocious experience for me. And uh, especially after the COVID-19 thing, it's just like a, it's a reminder. It's so in your face how brainwashed everyone is. And then I'm sure you've seen the videos of somebody who goes into the store and they're not wearing a mask. And then Karen shows up and she starts freaking out. 
And, you know, that guy is just the worst person in the world, doesn't care about anyone, is going to kill everyone, and they get in your face and scream at you and spit all over you because they're so afraid of the virus, right? Ah, yes. And not even to get into the cops who just, you know, see you without the mask. I heard a story of uh, this police commissioner of in Australia somewhere. He's talking about how one of the, his officers saw a lady without a mask. So he goes up to her. You know, it, they're outside. Outside, she's not around anyone. And she they're trying to get her to wear a mask in, like, the street or something. You know, it's like, what the hell? And uh, she says, no, I'm a sovereign citizen. I don't need to wear the mask. Like, get out of my face. And then they just, uh, they start fighting. You know, they, they, she tries to tackle the girl. Apparently, it was a lady cop. And then the chick kind of beat the shit out of her, slammed her head against the ground a few times. And, uh, you know, I'm not really one to condone violence, but fuck that cop. When are we going to draw a line about about what we're going to accept? Because if if we just continue to allow them to tell us what to do and we just obediently do whatever they say, where is that going to lead us? It's going to lead us into Nazi Germany. It's going to lead us into the Khmer Rouge of Cambodia, to the countless atrocities that have occurred over time. We're going to reproduce that, and it's all done by order followers and thoughtless fucking pussies who do everything they're told. And it's a lot easier to do what you're told. I'm guilty of it too. But we need to draw a line somewhere. And of course, the mass mandates have come up, what, five months later. We're all supposed to wear a mask after it was supposedly peaked. This virus, which has never even been isolated, it hasn't met any of Koch's postulates, which is a set of criteria that a virus has to meet in order to be proven to even exist. Hasn't met any of that. Plenty of doctors have come out and pointed that out. Uh, but of course they get censored, uh, get their Facebook videos taken down, get their YouTube shit taken down, get their Twitter accounts banned. And uh, this is just the world we live in. We have this supposed team of experts who work for these social media companies who get to decide and dictate what we are allowed to talk about. And uh, even though they're qualified experts who have been to medical school, and they'll, they'll still censor them and, and get rid of their stuff just because it doesn't align with their narrative. And what you have to understand is how important this event is to where they want this world to go. This is the kickoff. It is the event. It's like 9-11 was 20 years ago. They need this to work. They've invested everything into this. And as I said earlier, this is part of their great reset, part of their new normal because they're com- going to completely transform society the way that we live. Um, We've been living, we've been having it too good for too many years, right? America had a good run. The world had a good run. America had it better than everyone else, though. And that is all being thrown out of the window intentionally. Um, The economy is going to collapse. It's inevitable. They're printing too much money, oversaturating the market, inflation, and eventually the dollar is just going to collapse and they're going to replace it with something else. It's going to be some sort of social credit system where they use all of the data that they've been collecting on you uh, through your social media, through everything. I mean, nowadays the TV watches you just as much as you watch it, if not more. All that data is collected in these massive data centers that they are constructing in the middle of the deserts. And I know people who have worked on these projects personally, essentially what they are is gigantic flash drives 
where all of our data goes, everything you look up on Google, everything you do on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, it's all cataloged in gigantic gigantic data banks um, and stored and used to analyze you and and see how to deal with you, see what to advertise to you. First of all, you know the corporations pay a lot of money for that good data. That's what this whole controversy about TikTok is about. They just want that data. They want to see what we're up to. Because if you know everything that someone is doing, everything they're thinking about, which we all we put all of that on the internet, then you're in a position to control everybody, and that's what's going on. And this COVID-19 thing is just really crazy. I mean, how many people are out of work right now? And then now the unemployment has run out. Well, at least the extra $600, which was really helpful to a lot of people, especially nowadays when people have such a big nut to crack. You know, they got a car payment. They got a house payment, a, a rent payment. If you don't have a house payment, you have rent. Uh, you got your normal stuff, your food. And then a lot of people have outstanding credit card debt that is constantly accruing interest. Uh, what else do people got? You got electric, gas, phone bill. Shit, I don't know. I'm missing a bunch of stuff. I don't have much. I, I, I try not to buy too much stuff. I don't like debt. Debt, because debt is slavery. It's usury. And that's how they've all, uh, that's how they control us, you know, by getting us into the, we're debt slaves. Debt slaves fall prey to a catchphrase. Head crazed, all brace for the next phase. As they say, as I say. So the unemployment is uh, running out, at least that extra money. And it's interesting to see how the people who are deemed essential, how at the beginning they're like, yeah, I'm essential, you know, I'm fucking important. And then they see how much people are making on unemployment and then they get all jealous. And now there's like a, you know, a little bit of resentment between the people who had to continue working and the people who lost their jobs but we're able to get money from the government for the government intentionally putting so many businesses under. But yeah, it's just that jealousy thing, which is so commonly used to divide us and make us see the differences rather than our similarities. So, you know, anything to keep us divided, the same thing they're doing with the George Floyd thing uh, where the Black Lives Matter movement hijacked that and churned him into a martyr. The other day, they released the body camera footage of what actually happened that day. But who knows what even happened? I I wouldn't put it past them for all this stuff to be staged because there are a lot of inconsistencies that have been pointed out. Of course, you can't find any of this information on YouTube anymore because it gets taken down so quickly. You have to go to websites like BitChute to see videos like this. Because it used to be on uh, YouTube... You know, like after the Sandy Hook shooting and uh, the Boston bombing, all of these suspicious events that took place, there would be people who would analyze it and and kind of point out the inconsistencies and stuff that would really raise your eyebrow. And you'd be like, man, maybe this isn't exactly how the media is saying that it took place. Maybe something else happened here. And there would be people who uh, who would show that to people. Some of it would be bullshit, but some of it would be legit. And you were the one who was allowed to decide for yourself. Well, now Big Brother has stepped in and they get to dictate what information is shown to you. Uh, They've rigged the algorithms in such a way where some people won't even show up, even if you try to look them up specifically. Uh, You know, it used to be these videos would get a lot of views and they'd be right at the top, you know, deciphering what happened. Not anymore. Now it's just all the mainstream media news outlets, the KTVN 
fucking, you know, your local news shit, uh, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, Fox, whatever. They're all owned by the same people. A few giant corporations control all of the information that we're given. And uh, we're supposed to just walk along with it and not not question it twice and just live in a perpetual state of fascination with all of the entertainment that is thrown at us. Notice how that hasn't stopped. I mean, it's it's changed a little bit. The talk shows have gotten really weird. And I'm really happy that Ellen DeGeneres is being exposed as being a cunt because I always knew that. I was like, I don't trust this bitch. None of them. Oprah? Fuck Oprah. And uh, who else? Winnie? What's her name? Ah, the other chick from The View. She's, they're all terrible. They're equally terrible. They shouldn't have a platform, but they do, and so many people watch them. It's mostly middle-aged, older people. Ah, but what can you do? And this is why television was invented. It was for brainwashing. It was for molding the society into what they want it to be. And it's a very ancient technique. They used to do it thousands of years ago with plays. And the slaves used to actually have to go see these plays. And it's like, why would they want their slaves to have fun? Why do they care about that? Because it wasn't about that. Yeah, it would be entertaining. People would have a good time. But it was about brainwashing the people because it's monkey see, monkey do. You mimic what you see uh, in a fictional narrative. Especially when it's accompanied by... Dramatic music, uh, different angles, different colors. These are all things that impact your subconscious, so it's manipulating you in ways that you can't even pick up on until you become privy to it, until you understand these techniques, which most people don't, sadly, still. And most people are still hooked on the television. As long as you're still watching that box, still watching the news and listening to the celebrities, these people we've been taught to worship who are fucking worthless... Uh, then you're always going to be brainwashed. You're always going to be chained to this system of oppression that is taking advantage of you and does nothing but leech off of you and control you in negative ways and point you towards the wrong path in life. And it's it's hard to, you know, you can't overstate how important television is in this. Now, the other day I went and took a drive. I, I drove up this mountain pass called Sonora Pass. And uh, it's an interesting place. I don't know if you guys uh, have heard of a researcher called David Pilates, but he's this guy who's examined all these mysterious disappearances in the wilderness. And uh, just in, you know, mountain areas, sometimes it's desert areas, and they've taken place all over the world. There's thousands of them. And they're just these really weird cases of people mysteriously disappearing. And some are never found again. Some are found months or years later with their shoes off like their shoes are really far away and then so like this guy took his shoes off and walked over these jagged rocks things that don't make any sense and he ends up miles away someplace he couldn't have possibly have gotten anyways he came out he's done a bunch of um interviews you can look him up on YouTube, just type in David Pilates, and his book series is called Missing 411. It's really fascinating stuff. It's kind of paranormal, supernatural, like what the fuck is happening to these people? So I've always been interested in it. I recently watched his new documentary called Missing 411, The Hunted. You could find it on Amazon Prime, and it was just a fascinating movie. And one of the places where people disappeared was over by Sonora Pass at this place called Donnell. 
It's like Donald Lookout Point over this place called Donald Lake. It's a beautiful area, very rugged terrain, giant boulders, uh, very heavily forested, or at least it was until the fire that happened a couple years ago uh, where everything got destroyed. And, um, yeah, so I'm out there driving around, and then I go to get some lunch somewhere. There's only, like, one place, and it's this place where they do horseback riding. And I go in there, and I get a sandwich, and I'm just chilling. I'm alone, which is fine. I, I like doing shit alone. And I, I see this, this old, these old folks. They must be in their 70s. And they're having lunch together. There's four of them, husband and wife, and a husband and wife. And they're just talking, and they're talking about what they watched on TV, what what they said on uh, fucking Tucker Carlson or something, you know? And they're, they're discussing these things about COVID. And it, it got me thinking, this is a lot of people for the older generation, that's their only form of information. That's their, that's their only source of information is what they're telling you on the mainstream news. They're, well, first of all, they're the only people who still have cable. So... Yeah, and they, and they they're concerned about their country. They love their country. They they love where they grew up. They have a lot of pride in it, and they want to know what's going on. But what sucks about it is they're just being lied to by the news media. And you got this person up there who is very well dressed. They're very well maintained. They look good. They speak in a stern voice, and they sound authoritative. And they seem believable. But the whole thing is a spectacle. It's it's all planned out well ahead of time, and all of the media is reporting in lockstep with each other. They're all saying the same things. They might say it in different ways, but a lot of the time they're saying the exact same thing in the exact same order, and you could compare side by side what the different news stations say. Even if it's local news stations, you can go across the world, and I've, I've presented things like this uh, – on, on like my page, like my Instagram page, because there's videos that show how people are doing this shit, and they're saying the exact same thing. So you could just tell the media is completely controlled. And I got to thinking, like, man, if only these people could be well informed and could have access to the information that I have access to, just the alternative media, because a lot of people don't even know that this shit exists because it's so heavily censored. And that's why there's such a huge movement by Big Brother, by the big tech companies and the government to get rid of all this alternative information. And, of course, it had the UN institutions are involved in it, the fucking the WHO, the CDC, the World Economic Forum, all these. It's all one big organization. It's one big club and you ain't in it. That's the that's the gist of it. But, you know, they're really working hard to get rid of this alternative media, and it was already hard to find before. So what's it going to be like in 10 to 20 years when the internet is completely censored? Fuck, we're already almost there. And you just really have no way of accessing this information. It's only been in recent years that we've been able to share this information with each other. And a lot of people have waken up, and but a lot of people in the older generation have it haven't so anyways i'm sitting there eating my sandwich watching these old people talk about what they saw in the news or what movies they've watched lately and it just got me thinking like man there's so many people who just live by the tv especially the older generation because a lot of them are lonely they're just chilling i don't know waiting to die they're not doing much and they just watch a lot of tv and it just makes me so sad man to think about that because 
once you understand what the TV does to you and what the people behind it, what their agenda is, and how they're manipulating your brain and causing you to believe certain things and then you just regurgitate it unknowingly, you're just fucking mimicking something you saw and you're doing it unconsciously, it's really a disgusting thing. And that's what that movie, uh, fuck, what's the Jim Carrey one? Truman, The Truman Show. That's what that movie's all about. And that's why he's called, ah, fuck, anyways, I'm not going to go into that. Um, Truth Stream Media just did a really good documentary on the Truman Show, analyzing all the symbolism in it and what it actually means. But, you know, it's just all these people who are living in this, like, media-induced Hollywood movie that's just false. It has nothing to do with reality, and it's so essential for their control system for people to buy into that. And for reading to be thrown out of the window, for religion to be thrown out of the window, family, all that shit out the fucking window. We just live by the TV, what the TV tells us. So as I'm watching these old people talk, I'm also looking out the window at this group of kids. You're like millennial age, kind of like my age, maybe a couple years younger. And all three of them are just on their phones. They're they're having lunch together, having beers in the beautiful forest, like fucking awesome area. And they're with their friends, you know, three friends, and they're just looking at their phones. They, they All three of them have their hands on their table, both hands on their phone, just staring at them, not even paying attention to each other, not socializing at all. Uh, maybe they're social media-izing, but they're just ignoring each other and just paying attention to their phones. And I'm sure we've seen this everywhere. It's a global phenomenon. I saw it while I was traveling. I see it all the time here, and I'm guilty of it too sometimes, but... It's interesting to see how they've moved, you know, we've moved from the television brainwashing, which was utilized on the older generation, like the boomer generation, and then, you know, I don't know, Generation X, I forget what all the generations are called, but now the newer generation, it's all the smartphone, and the smartphone is so much more dangerous than the TV because it can actually, like, it, like, reads your mind, you know, the social media does through the algorithms and whatnot. And it specifically picks what will appeal to you. So it's incredibly addictive. And then you also have the ability to broadcast yourself and become a TV star yourself, which is incredibly appealing to a lot of people because it gives you popularity. It gives you status. It gives you importance. It gives you meaning. And that's why people are so narcissistic now. They're just always posting pictures of themselves, especially girls, but a lot of guys too. Uh, It's just we do it in different ways. But it's it's amazing how these two forms of technology, which the cell phone is just uh, an offshoot of the television, um, it's amazing how these things have been used to transform society and how essential they are to where we have come to today, where people are so fucking thoughtless and so obedient and just don't know how to question things for themselves. They just take what they're told. And they just run with it and they do whatever they're told, especially if it comes from the TV or from an official looking website on their phone and an authority figure or whatever. We just we're we don't know how to think critically anymore. We just do what we're told and we're so effectively programmed through fiction and through the news and through school. That's why they got to get us into public schooling so soon. That's why it was bought out by the Rockefellers 100 years ago. Because you got to start brainwashing people early because the programming has to set in. If you don't do it early, it's not going to work. Now, most people will never break out of their conditioning. They'll never break out of their programming. 
And it, that's just the sad fact. And that's why it's so incredibly frustrating to be someone who who sees what's going on and tries to wake up other people to it and then you just get shit on, <laughs> you know? People don't care. They don't want to listen to it. They just don't believe you. They look at you with a blank stare. They shake their head. They mumble something under their breath because you're just – you're a fucking retard to them. Like they don't believe you. <laughs> you just seem – completely nonsensical because it goes against everything that they know and they don't even know why they know what they know that's when things get kind of weird because this is all stuff that has gone and flown in under the radar you see most people don't question why they hold the beliefs that they hold they just go with it i don't know they just believe what they believe they don't know why and they don't question what they believe or or find out how it came to be that way it's just is and it's very rare that somebody is asking themselves those questions. They'll ask other people those questions like, why do you think that? Like, that doesn't make sense. That motherfucker's stupid. But very rarely does some, someone do the work necessary to find out what's going on within themselves. And that was something that Carl Jung was very big on, and that's what psychoanalysis is. And... Carl Jung's big thing was analyzing your dreams because he believed that the your dreams were like a window to the subconscious part of you, to the unconscious. And inside of your dreams are these symbols, which he termed archetypes. And what archetypes are are these, these f- symbols that represent certain thing. Obviously, a symbol represents something. But it, it could be like a hero symbol or a masculinity symbol or a sex symbol or whatever. There's all these different things, a religious symbol like the symbol of Christ or something. Or, and, and everything means something different. And basically your dreams are showing you these symbols for a reason. They're trying to expose you to your unconscious self. They're trying to bring these things forth to you so you can unite your ego, your conscious self, with your unconscious self and become like a whole self type of thing. So that was his whole thing, was to analyze dreams and try to figure out what what unconscious urges are being repressed or, or what, what things are going on inside you and how you can unite that with your conscious mind and therefore become more whole and, and more aware and, and have a better life. It's really complicated shit, but it's kind of simple at the same time. Uh, obviously, I, I can't explain it that well. Jordan Peterson is really into Carl Jung, and he's really done an incredible job on updating the theories and, and making them applicable to today. So I would highly recommend his work. He's a very intelligent guy. His 12 Rules for Life are essential. And, uh, yeah, just doing good work. You know, shout-outs to them. So... A lot of people are just controlled by their unconscious and that's what is targeted by the TV and the media and so much time and money is spent on studying you and you know, what makes you click and what type of things will trigger you. And it goes to other things too like symbols and colors and the the presentation of stuff. It, it's all taken into account. And a good movie producer, somebody like Stanley Kubrick or Steven Spielberg, they know all this stuff. They're like wizards and they consciously present shit in a certain way. There is nothing out of place. There isn't like a pencil on the table that isn't there for a certain reason. 
not in a real big budget Hollywood movie. It's all there for a reason. And the producers of the movies and the, the people way up who decide what gets made and what doesn't and, and who's going to act in them and stuff, they're all privy to this agenda. And that's why they put so much of the predictive programming in there, which we saw with you know these movies like Contagion and uh, all the Resident Evil stuff and all the zombie apocalypse you know outbreak movies that were so prominent in the last 20 years. So that's how they do it. I mean, shit, it's kind of crazy, right? Excuse me while I drink some water. Ah, jeez. And of course, they have to divide us against each other. We have so many things to divide us now. There's the mask versus no mask. The employed versus the unemployed. Black versus white. It's just classic stuff. <sighs> Anything to keep us from uniting and realizing who is our true enemy. And it's quite sad. And of course you got the Black Lives Matter, the Antifa groups, which are doing some, some pretty major stuff around the world. And you have to realize, folks, if they didn't want these groups to rise to power and do the things that they are doing, then they wouldn't be doing it. They wouldn't be allowed to do it. It would have been nipped in the bud. It would have never been allowed to manifest or to materialize. It just wouldn't have happened. So that's how you, you that's just an indication that, dude, this stuff is all planned. It's all part of it. Same with the COVID 19 thing. The statistics don't match the measures that are being put into place. That's how you know it's all its all part of the agenda. It's all part of the game. And there's so much invested into this stuff. But there's so many people who just, they don't understand it. And I think a big reason for that is just the sheer magnitude of it. It's so huge. It's unbelievable. How could they do it? It's too much. That's what people think. And I believe it was, uh, what, Hitler's propaganda minister who said you got to tell a big lie. You got to tell big lies. If you tell small lies, people might find them out. But if you just tell a massive, massive big lie, then people will buy it because they'll think nobody can lie this big. And that's what 9-11 was. That's what the whole chemtrail thing is because you see it day after day right above your head. They control the weather. The technology exists. But you could just lie about it. You just lie and say you're not seeing that right in front of your face. That's how simple it really is. When people have been programmed in the way they've been programmed. I mean, none of this would be happening unless people were, you know, conditioned to accept it. This is all years, decades, 50 years, 100 years in the making. And this, the, the people who control the world, they plan shit out for that long. That's just how they do it. They're very dedicated. And their families and organizations and fraternities and... That's just what they fucking do, man. They're all about it. They're dedicated, if you can give them that. So, yeah, the censorship is up. I mean, you know, the homie over at Last American Vagabond. Actually, we were supposed to be talking today, but we're going to have to postpone it due to unforeseen circumstances. Uh, Ryan Christian, he's getting messed with. His podcast, he was doing one, like, pretty much every day. And they, they kicked him off of the Apple Podcast app. Gave him a bullshit reason. Actually told him that he wasn't posting enough or something when he's 
doing it at least bi-weekly, you know, multiple times a week. Me, meanwhile, me, I, lately I've been doing it like once a month. They haven't messed with me, but that's just because hardly anyone listens to mine. He actually gets good viewership and is putting out really good content, and it's all m- up-to-date stuff, like actual news stories that are happening right now. Mine's a little more abstract and kind of pulls on stuff from everywhere, but his is very down-to-earth and very well-done research, and, you know, he's getting censored. Uh, Stefan Molyneux, who's just like a philosopher, he's just some guy that talks, and he's not even on the conspiracy shit, but he got deleted, got his YouTube and his Twitter deleted, and uh, a, a lot of alternative people are just being suppressed, which I think is happening to me and my music. Ever since I dropped my first song, I think they've been fucking with me. There's no way to really know, but they can manipulate the view count, the likes, all that, the shares, whatever. They can do whatever they want and uh, just make you look like an asshole. Like, oh, man, I just worked so hard on this song and all this stuff and then nothing. But then again, that happens to a lot of people who aren't being censored, so maybe I just suck. Who knows? Uh, Other than that, yeah, I've been driving around lately, just kind of wandering. I don't know what I'm doing. And... One thing I've noticed is that there's more people camping and driving around with trailers and just trucks full of stuff and their tents and their chairs and all that stuff tied to the top of their car than I've ever seen before in my life. And in a way, it's kind of cool. Like, yeah, good for you guys. You know, it's getting to see the great outdoors. But in a way, it kind of sucks. It's like, fuck, I'm am I here to get away from you motherfuckers. But all these people who would have normally been going to sporting events, uh, concerts, shows, you know, any number of things that have been canceled because there's a lot. There's just millions and millions and millions of people who can't do any of that stuff now, and they're bored. So they're all packing up, doing road trips, heading to the mountains, going camping. I thought that was interesting to point out. Just weird. And I remember at the beginning of the pandemic back in March, April, going around to these local spots around my town. You know, there's a little river uh, there's like a waterfall and really cool little nature spots that you can hike and just chill, smoke some weed, do what, do what you got to do. And man, all of these spots were 10 times as many people as I had ever seen on the bu- busiest day prior to that. And it's just it's just amazing to see how quickly things can can transform. And that was a positive aspect of it. I would I would say, you know, people are out there doing what they got to do and and uh occupying themselves productively. But on the flip side of that coin, it can also change for the worse. And I think that that is inevitable at this point, given how much they've fucked up the economy, shut down so many businesses, um, all of the money that they're pumping out just that is backed by nothing. We're trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in debt, and it's just increasing and going up and up and up. I mean, it's it's unfathomable to, to even picture this amount of money. It could literally reach to Mars, the amount of money that they printed just in like the last couple weeks. If you took these dollar bills and you laid them long ways, if you laid them short ways, they can make it to the moon. Easy. But if you laid them long ways, they could go all the way to Mars and beyond. So it's really unfathomable amounts of money that are just being printed out of thin air by private banks who they're making a shitload of money off of this is being like loaned to us and uh i mean how long can we keep doing this essentially what they're doing is just kicking the can down the road avoiding the inevitable and eventually it's you know the economy is going to collapse 
the houses around me are worth like 350 grand right now, which which seems to me to be outrageous because these are older homes. They're 20, 30 years old, which isn't that old, but everything's breaking. Everything only has like a 20-year warranty, so they're going to need new roofs, new heating and air systems, new floors, all this stuff. But they're still like in the $300,000 mark when just 10 years ago they were like a hundred grand. So, man, that was when that that big 08 crisis happened. So, I mean, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. And then the dollar is going to be worth nothing. And I just saw something, too, about how much the price of gold has risen. So if you invested in gold early on, good for you. That was a smart move on your part. Precious metals will always be worth something. But we're being moved into this new system, and I don't think the dollar is here to stay. In fact, they're trying to move from the cashless society, uh, from from the society where we use cash, rather, and then move to the cashless society, where you know everything's on your card. They track everything you do, and eventually, you know, we can all see this happening. It's going to be part of the tracking and tracing system. Where did you get your fucking vaccine, or else you can't come into the store? And what they're doing, what they're going to do, obviously, what they're fucking training us for is to replace all the checkers with robots. But eventually you won't even have to do the self-checkout thing. You'll just put all your stuff in your cart and then you'll just walk out. And it'll automatically, they'll sense everything that's on, you know, all the items you got because they all got little RFID chips. And then it'll go to your phone or, you know, the little chip you got in your eyeball or your forehead, your your vaccine that's inside of you, the nanobots, and it'll just automatically charge your account, which is you. You are your account. And if you're not playing by the rules, if you're doing too many podcasts like this, making too many songs like I make, or, you know, doing whatever, right, whatever they don't like, then they get to decide to, to cut you off from your food. And I think in the near future, we will be facing some sort of rationing situation. For one, because they're not letting people do their jobs. So farmers aren't allowed to farm. All these restaurants have been shut down. So they're not able to like, the the whole food network system, the transportation network and all of that has been completely flipped upside down. So farmers aren't growing the food that they used to do. They, you know, they they don't have anywhere to put it. They don't. They can't sell it. So why would they grow it? Because it takes money to grow food. It takes water. It takes fertilizer. It takes labor. All that stuff. So if you don't have anyone to sell your food to, why would you grow it? I mean, it's pretty simple. So it, that's another thing that seems to be inevitable, the rationing of food. Eventually, there's not going to be enough. Not because they can't produce it. It's because... Well, I mean, it is because they can't produce it because the government won't let them. <laughs> ah, they'll come shut you down. Same with the meat factories and all of that. And that's part of the agenda, too, is getting us off of the meat onto the faux meat that has recently come onto the scene. The Impossible Burger. Yeah, because it's impossible to eat it because it sucks. Tastes like shit. <laughs> There's a pretty good South Park about that. Ay, ay, ay. But... Yeah, we're being replaced by robots. What can you do? <sighs> RoboCop, that's coming soon. As if they're not already robots enough. And you look at them, they got their, their big helmets on with their visors, all black uniforms, tactical gear, fucking seven guns, 20 clips. Ah, Oh, yeah, man. Protect and serve your friendly neighborhood police officer here to help Granny across the street and then beat the shit out of her on the other side. 
uh, for for doing whatever, for not wearing a mask. Ah, oh, what a beautiful time we live in. A good thing to envision, though, is when all these douchebag cops get put out of the job by robots, by RoboCop, what are they going to do? Because ain't nobody going to like them. I'm not going to hire a cop if I have a business. Like, dude, no, you're you're a dick. I don't like you. You're not working for me. And they'll be down and out because there's nobody that they can tyrannize anymore. So that's something to look forward to, right? Then we'll just get, I don't know, beat up by cops and drones and stuff. You know, Boston Dynamics is well on their way to replacing all of the cops with robo-cops, robo-dogs, drone cops that tell you to get off the beach. Ah, yes, the brave new world. It's beautiful. Well, let me just express my complete and utter disappointment with the rap community. You can't expect much from these guys, but some of them are pretty good, you know? It's like they're doing cool stuff. They're great artists, and they seem to stand for something. But have you seen anyone stand up against this pandemic stuff? Is anyone coming out against that? The only thing they'll stand up for is the Black Lives Matter thing. They'll all jump on that, on some racist shit that divides us even more which has a lot of holes in the whole thing anyways. Like, these people are vowed communists. Like, that's not cool. They've killed hundreds of millions of people, the communist ideology has. And that's what they're about. Obviously, not everyone. And uh, But, you know, they'll, they'll support that, and they'll, they'll, they'll obviously jump on anything that has to do with race relations. But something that affects us all, like this COVID-19 thing, complete and utter silence. Nobody will question what's going on with that. And these people... Uh, there's a few particular people who I'm talking about who I'm not going to name by name because maybe they got something on their new album where they really go into it, but I haven't seen nothing on social media. None of this stuff. Everyone's just wearing their mask, being a good little slave, not questioning anything. In fact, criticizing other people for not wearing their mask. And uh, just just going in, going with it. Is that a surprise? Hmm, I don't know. Are they afraid? Are they afraid to speak out because they might get killed? I think a lot of people, it is that. A lot of these dudes are getting older. They got kids. They got families. I think they're afraid. I think they're afraid something might happen to them. They might have an accident because it's, you know, Tentacion, Tupac, Biggie. There's so many celebrities who have been taken out for, for trying to go out on a limb. So I think a lot of it is just cowardice. And uh, look in the other direction, which I don't find to be very... Noble, to say the least. But whatever, you can't expect people to care about the truth, I guess. So that's kind of whack. Some people, and it, it's worse when there are people who there's people out there who like that's their whole image that they try to project as as an activist and as a revolutionary, and you know they're all about the movement and uplifting humanity, but only when it comes to certain issues, and not this one. <laughs> Yep. What can you expect, though? Now, obviously, the big story that's going on that happened yesterday, that explosion in Beirut. Wow, man. I'm sure you guys have seen the video. Just catastrophic, terrible damage. And what the hell was that? They're trying to tell us it was a fireworks factory? That makes no sense. Although you did see some fireworks in a certain video, so okay, there's fireworks. But how was the explosion that big off of just fireworks to completely destroy like multiple blocks of a city and decimate everything? That's impossible. 
And then they said, well, okay, well, there was a fire in a fireworks factory, but it was next to an ammonium nitrate stockpile that had been there for six years, just sitting there, forgotten. Okay, why was that there in in this busy port where they're they're doing a lot of business there? It's it's the port of Beirut, Lebanon. Like that's a lot of shit is moving through there. That's prime real estate. Why would you just have a pile of shit there, which is essentially what ammonium nitrate is, right? Fertilizer. Eh, but it's a chemical compound. I think it's a byproduct of fertilizer. Anyways, it's extremely volatile and explosive when combined with diesel fuel. Was there a bunch of diesel fuel there too? And this is also the same story that they give us with the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, it's just a fertilizer bomb. Dude, I've been to that place. Like, nah, that's that don't make no sense either. I'll venture off to say that could have been a fucking directed energy weapon attack, just like 9-11 was. I am quite convinced, 100% convinced, that what actually took place on 9-11 were actually seven World Trade Center buildings were destroyed. Not just two, not just three, but seven big-ass buildings were destroyed by some sort of weaponized free energy technology, like a directed energy weapon, some weaponized Tesla technology. And that was outlined in exhausting detail, very thoroughly by Dr. Judy Wood and her book, Where Did the Towers Go?, which is essential reading for anyone. Another one of those books that is censored and just, you know, doesn't get the attention it deserves. And there's so many shills in the 9-11 movement that they completely try to discredit her when she is the most qualified person to do that investigation you know, ever, and she went and did it, and, uh, you know, people around her got killed for her doing that, and she still did it, so props to Judy Wood, incredible patriot. Now, it's too early to tell what happened in Beirut, we don't know what it was, some people are theorizing that it could be some sort of mini nuclear bomb, uh, a torpedo, not a torpedo, but like a, a missile type shit, or a directed energy weapon. I saw a weird video where there's like this big flash of light and then a fucking fat explosion. But the fact is we don't know. It's too early to tell. I posted something on my Instagram yesterday insinuating, theorizing that it could be a directed energy weapon. But I deleted I thought about it. I was like, it's too early. I don't know what's going on. I want to jump to t- conclusions. So I deleted it. But I think it could be. I wouldn't put it past him. But there, it could have been any number of weapons. Does it matter at this point? I mean, it does, but the real question is who did it and why? Is this similar to what they did on 9-11 where they they blow something up and they try to blame it on Muslim terrorists to justify the invasion of the Middle East? Is this about invading Iran, blaming it on Hezbollah? Certainly seems like that because Lebanon came out and said that, no, it was just fireworks. (laughs) Right, it's so it's so ridiculous when you see the videos like fireworks. What the fuck kind of fireworks you got, dude? And then Trump comes out later the day, later that day, and says, "Well, my top generals, my great top generals, have informed me that it seems to be an explosion of some kind that was intentional, like an attack." So it's like, okay, we have these conflicting stories here, and what do we believe? I don't know. Pretty interesting, so we'll see where that goes. Rest in peace to all those people, and you know that's that's just a terrible event. I don't know. There's no other way to describe it. It's a fucking tragedy. In other news, vaccine companies are having the opposite of a tragedy. They're fucking making money hand over fist. Good for them. They've made billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars just overnight. 
because everyone goes and invests in their vaccine company after they say, you know, that they're going to make all these vaccines. So it's like your $4 million stock turns into $20 million stocks overnight, and that's insider trading. Fascism in conjunction with the government. See, they're working out these deals. They know who's going to get them ahead of time because the government's going to be paying for it, meaning you're going to be paying for it and, and me. And they tell what vaccine manufacturers are going to get it. So they'll buy, buy all the stocks and shit, knowing that it's going to go way, way up the value of their stocks. And boom, that's how shit really works, folks. Insider trading. That's That's just how it goes. So same thing happened with the pandemic here in my home state when the CEO of MGM stepped down as CEO Jim Murin uh, right before Governor Sisolak announced the lockdowns knowing that MGM stock would plummet. So he cashes out. Uh, MGM goes from $30 a stock to like $4. And he steps down as CEO and then buys back all his stock at really low prices, then gets appointed as the coronavirus task force leader when he's a casino guy like what does he know about a pandemic right he's also the guy responsible for the las vegas shooting or preventing the deaths there not that doesn't matter right they appointed him as the coronavirus task force leader for his effectiveness at saving lives that's how freaking backwards this world is and nobody said anything about it there was never an article questioning it and not that i've seen in the mainstream news i've never even seen an alternative researcher talk about the complete and utter ridiculousness of this guy being our coronavirus task force leader. It's it's absolutely just unfathomable that they would do this. But people will still defend it because they're that fucking brainwashed. They're like, no, he knows how to allocate stuff. He knows how to buy a lot of stuff. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Anyways, so uh, yeah, he stepped down as CEO, sold all his stock, made like $20 million, bought it back for $4, and it has since risen almost to the place where it was when all this happens, so it's just, that's how they do shit, man, it's fascism, they talk about what they're going to do ahead of time, and then they make a bunch of money off it, it's pretty simple, good for them, right, now, I just recently finished reading a book, very interesting book by a man named John Perkins called Confessions of an Economic Hitman, fascinating book, Uh, it's about this guy's time as being what's known as an EHM, or an economic hitman. Now, what these people do is they go into um, impoverished nations, third world countries who don't have very good infrastructure. Um, you know, they don't got like nice roads, they don't got dams or, or the whole electrical system like we would have in a in a country like America. And they go there and they offer it to them and say, "Hey, they they, wor- they work for different companies like engineering companies, but they really work for." the U.S. government, the CIA, the NSA, um, and the World Bank, and the UN, you know, and the IMF. So they'll go to this country. This guy, John Perkins, would go to a country like Indonesia. That was the first place he went. And he said, so he goes there to write down a plan on all of this infrastructure that could be put there and how much it'll cost. So how much will it cost to do this dam right here? How much will it cost to put in this electrical network, this nuclear power plant, all this stuff? And he'll figure out about how much it'll cost, how many billions and billions of dollars it'll cost. And then his job was to convince whoever's in charge of that shit, you know, if it's the the king of that country or whatever, you know, the government of it, 
His job is to convince them to take a loan from the World Bank or the IMF in order to do this. So they say, hey, we'll give you $100 billion to do this. So we'll build all these dams, these uh, you know electrical grids and all this stuff. And we'll bring you up into the 21st century and shit will be popping, right? You'll have you'll be like just like America. And but you have to hire American companies to do it, and then you have to pay us back with interest. But you know, they don't really emphasize that part, but definitely the part so all the money goes to American companies, essentially. So all the billions of dollars that is used to build up this country goes to American companies, so it just makes the billionaires richer, right? And then the the impoverished company has to pay all that money back with interest, which they'll never be able to do. So what it is and what he describes it as is economic imperialism. It's a way of taking over a country without ever firing a shot. You just get them in debt monetarily and you don't even have to kill anyone. You just – they owe you all this money that they'll never be able to pay back. So in exchange for them not being able to pay back your loan – you go and build military bases in their country or you make them vote a certain way in UN votes and that's how shit really works. And if you don't play ball and you don't accept the loan and you you see through what they're trying to do to you, then you have an accident. Your plane blows up when you're when you're going somewhere or or something like that. You know, someone close to you dies and they they just to give you that little message. And that's done by what are called the jackals, which are these CIA hitmen who are, uh, you know, sent to take you out for not playing ball. And that happened to, I think it was the president of Ecuador. He had his plane blow up. And these are all guys that he knew and had talked to and tried to convince them to take these loans. He was very successful. Uh, I think he, he was very influential in striking the deal with the Saudis. And even though the Saudis are one of the biggest human rights violators on the planet, they're one of our closest allies, and business partners, rather. And, uh, yeah, it was an exchange. You know, we'll build all this stuff, bring you up into the 21st century, give you all this badass shit, and you just got to pay us back and give us all your oil. <laughs> so it was a really interesting book. I would highly recommend it. It's called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. That was probably the worst synopsis of a book ever. I suck at explaining shit, but check it out. John Perkins, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, because it goes into how this world system really works. And it has to do with the World Bank and the IMF and the way they get these smaller countries and less powerful countries to comply strictly through economics and through debt, debt slavery. It's really interesting. Other than that, fuck, I don't know. I've just been rambling for an hour. I haven't even read anything. Let's see. What's going on here? It's funny. On the the cover of Yahoo, they have, This is what it looked like after the U.S. dropped an atomic bomb on Hiroshima 75 years ago. Isn't that funny? Right after they just did that big explosion in Beirut. What are they trying to tell us here? Hmm. All right. I'll read you one article and then we'll go. We'll leave on a high note. 40 million Americans could be homeless soon with catastrophic impact on rest of economy. This is from Activist Post. They do very good work there. I'd suggest you check them out. 
by Elias Marat, and I'll put up the link in the show notes. It says, as the United States continues to struggle with growing coronavirus infections and various degrees of local lockdowns, relief measures from the first stimulus package have run dry, while federal and state eviction moratoriums are quickly being phased out. And as tens of millions of people remain unemployed and continue to stay at home to avoid exposing themselves to COVID-19, experts warn that up to 40 million Americans may be spending their last months with a roof over their head before landlords begin serving eviction notices. 40 million. So that is, uh, fuck man, one-seventh of the country? Kind of scary. Maybe one-eighth. To make matters worse, the humanitarian disaster could have catastrophic effects on the entire housing market with knock-on effects extending far beyond the housing and rental industry into the broader economy as a whole, leading to shrinking demand, collapsing housing value, collapsing housing values, and an all-out economic crisis that could be unprecedented in U.S. history. Emily Benfer is the chair of the American Bar Association's Task Force Committee on Eviction and co-creator of the COVID-19 Housing Policy Scorecard with the Eviction Lab at Princeton University. Speaking to CNBC, she warned that up to 40 million people face the imminent risk of eviction and homelessness in the coming months, about four times as many people as were displaced following the foreclosure crisis of 2008. In quotations, the United States is facing the most severe housing crisis in history, Benfer said. Countless lives will be negatively altered solely because they couldn't shoulder the extraordinary circumstances of the pandemic and economic recession. Wow. And it says, these numbers should terrify all of us. The eviction crisis has reached every corner of the U.S., threatening all of our livelihood while Congress kicks the can. Americans need need a home. Uh, and this says, demand relief now, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. It says 35% of renters in Nevada are facing eviction, 55% in Mississippi, 51% in Florida, 55% in Minnesota. Wow. That's terrible, man. These poor people. The massive extent of the crisis bearing down on U.S. society defies explanation as well as any easy answers. This data shows us that all the terms people have been using to describe what's coming, cliff, tsunami, avalanche, avalanche, and so on, might actually be an understatement. Eviction expert and housing advocate John Pollock of the National Coalition for a Civil Right to Counsel said in a statement, The only reason we haven't seen 2 million eviction filings is because of all the CARES Act relief that at this point is either going or gone. So that's that extra 600 bucks that people are bitching about that like we, you know, we're not allowed to have that shit when they tell us we can't work, when they shut down our businesses and we have no way of paying our bills and yet we're the bad people for taking this money? Ah, divide and conquer. Anyways, uh, yeah, noting that the end of expanded unemployment benefits, eviction moratoriums, and other expiring protections threaten to worsen the catastrophe. But tenants aren't the only ones who may be left out in the cold as a result of the eviction crisis. Landlords are also expected to, to default on mortgages if renters are forced from their homes in the middle of the bruising crisis. That makes sense. If you're a landlord out there and you're depending on somebody to be paying your mortgage with their rent and you're making a little money on top of that, well, that doesn't really work if you don't have anyone to rent your house. 
So that's a little crazy. Very good for people in the Bay Area of California, though, who are moving out in droves into places like Nevada, Idaho, Texas, Utah, Arizona, and they're selling their their home in the Bay Area for millions of dollars because it's all way overpriced there, and they're coming here and buying homes for much less money. Uh, It says, Michael Hudson, who's an economist, says this, We are in a situation much like a war. There are winners and there are losers in a war. In this case, the winner is the aggressor, the financial sector. Of course, it demands for payment have set the stage for today's economic breakdown. This has been the case throughout history. Finance always has been the great destabilizing factor. So, of course, the banks went out in the end, right? Because the mortgage is, is financed by the bank, and then the bank owns the home. And they're the ones who made out after the fucking uh, the 08 crisis. And then they got bailed out, of course, right? According to John Pollock, coordinator of the National Coalition for a Civil Right to Council, in 2016, there were 2.3 million evictions. There could be that many evictions in August alone. This really could be catastrophic, and it extends beyond just the rental industry. Tendaye Kapfids, chief economist at LendingTree, told CNBC, it could actually affect the single-family housing market and the economy as a whole. And because Congress is faced with a partisan impasse over extending unemployment insurance to over 30 million jobless workers, Americans are seeing their already caved-in income fall from 50% to a measly 25% of their pre-pandemic levels. Along with vanishing jobs, income, and government relief, Americans are also increasingly being forced to skip meals, go to bed hungry, or seek food assistance for the first time in their lives. Advocates fear that unless Congress urgently intervenes on that front, food insecurity could reach levels unseen in the modern era. And what a time where we we have the resources and the means to provide for every single person on this earth and we're allowing this to happen. They are allowing this. They're making this shit happen. And we, as citizens who are going along with this, are essentially coalescing to it and acquiescing, rather. Is that the word? We're letting it fucking happen because we're not doing anything about it. Since COVID-19, thousands upon thousands of people jumped to action, continue to fight to stand to demand change. Pollock tweeted on Monday afternoon, These heroes and helpers represent America's best. Unlike members of Congress willing to send 30 to 40 million Americans into homelessness, poverty, and hunger. Yes, Congress, the president, the government, they are bad people. They don't fucking care about you. Food insecurity for U.S. households reached its highest reported level since the Census Bureau began tracking the data in May, with almost 30 million Americans reporting that they'd not have enough to eat at some point in seven days through July 21. Hmm. The cascading crisis threatens to slam other industries as well, possibly creating a feedback loop that can only worsen the economic woes of businesses and households across the country. That could lead to a decrease in home values, even in the owner-occupied market, and in every state and every city, there's a patchwork of different, you know, kind of laws that people are using. So really, it's necessary that we have a federal plan. We need a federal plan to deal with the rental crisis, or it is going to get worse. So we'll just print more money, right? It just grows on trees. Ah, But, you know... Most people don't seem too worried about it. I like I said, everyone's camping, everyone's at the lake, everyone's having fun. You know, I mean, what else can you do? I guess, right? Just be scared and fucking die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, I'm gonna read one more because we're having so much fun, right? Are you still with me? Is anyone out there? Oh, I'm just reading myself. Says, uh, gotta put my glasses on for this one. Very, very small typing by Tyler Durden at Zero Hedge. This one says, China will soon be able to close off the Straits of Hormuz and the Red Sea. Actually, this is by Michael Every at Rebobank. Rabobank. The world is rightly shocked today by the terrible explosion that devastated Beirut, and our thoughts go out to the people of Lebanon. The cause is still unknown, but visual evidence and official government statements suggest it was a tragic accident due to the storing of fireworks next to up to 2,750 tons of ammonium nitrate. Yeah, who the fuck believes that shit? I don't believe that. Despite denials from daggers drawn Israel and Hezbollah, even a region rife in conspiracy theories has dismissed thoughts of this being either Lebanese politics or regional geopolitics. Indeed, Israel has offered medical assistance given Beirut's hospitals are overflowing. Until U.S. President Trump blurted out his generals had told him it looked like a bomb and attack of some kind. Speculation or confidential information. Either way, it's explosive. And get, leave it to Trump to do that, right? Everyone's saying, oh, no, it's nothing. He's saying, it's a bomb. It was an attack. <laughs> that fucking guy, man. He's funny. He's a fucking dumb fuck. As is the fact that not too far away, the United Arab Emirates has opened its first nuclear reactor, a step to being able to develop a nuclear weapon if it so chooses, though it has sworn not to. Not so sworn, perhaps, is Saudi Arabia. The Wall Street Journal reports China has helped Riyadh construct a facility for extracting uranium yellow cake from uranium ore, a crucial step to developing nukes. It's ironic given China has signed a 25-year cooperation agreement with the Saudis' bitter foe Iran, including military cooperation, and Tehran is itself not far from a nuclear breakout capability. It's also tragic if this leads to greater regional instability, which has serious implications for energy prices we saw just a flicker of yesterday. It's also a further indication that China and Russia are stepping into the energy-rich Middle East as the U.S. has tried to step back. Now, this this um, insinuation that, that everyone's going for the nuclear weapons, I believe they are, but let's keep in mind that we have, we've moved to the directed energy weapons, which can be space-based and move at the speed of light. So, you know, given the surveillance that we have globally and all that shit, you could probably fucking destroy a nuke before they even get to drop it, right? So if, if a nuke does go off, it's probably because they wanted it to happen. Because these direct energy weapons are so effective and they're just, they're fucking incredible. But that's the the realm of weaponry which they won't go into. They want to stick to the traditional like kinetic energy weapons and, you know, like like explosives and shit. Not the directed energy weapons, which is on some whole other shit that people don't even believe in, a lot of people, even though it's a fact. That's just an interesting idea. I'm not a weapons expert, though. Specifically, if China and Iran develop their deal on the ground and China expands the power of its Djibouti naval base with further shipbuilding, one could potentially see a not-too-distant future where oil flows to China via the Belt and Road, and at the same time, China could be able to close off the Straits of Hormuz and the Red Sea if it wanted, making it primus inter Paris. I don't know what that means. That's the stick that it would not want to use. The carrot would be helping all sides on trade, infrastructure, weapons, 
and nuclear energy. Even the carrot is a highly explosive prospect given what it implies for energy pricing and so the future of the U.S. dollar. Indeed, it is something the U.S. won't just sit back and let happen under President Trump or any other president. So it could be a big conflict um, going from this. Meanwhile, Turkey has its own controversial Mediterranean energy claims it is pressing ahead with, to which France has reacted with talk of sending naval vessels to Cyprus. Markets are already on edge here with USD slash TRY testing upwards, the psychological 7 and overnight interest rates hitting as high as 1,024% yesterday. A volatile fusion of markets and geopolitics is at play again, it seems, which is not likely to get better anytime soon. That's a typo. Why do people fucking make typos? Likewise, as talks to see Indian and Chinese forces, now including tens of thousands of men, heavy tanks, and planes, pull back from their disputed border, have stalled. India is insisting China retreats from all the territory it has taken. China is literally digging in and insisting India drop its economic boycott of Chinese goods and services. Indian analysis underlines New Delhi faces a stark choice between accepting the loss of territory so far and China the loss of influence in Indian market share or pushing ahead militarily to reclaim the land, which would obviously be explosive. Could you imagine if China and India went to war? That'd be, it'd be world war. Markets are assuming it must be the former, obviously. Then again, markets didn't see the border clash coming. They so often miss the obvious. Like Bloomberg reporting highest-level U.S. trip to Taiwan in decades to challenge China, as the U.S. Secretary for Health and Human Services takes the largest and most senior delegation to Taipei for 40 years with an itinerary including President Tsai Ing-wen, the Indian press has also been pushing for New Delhi to swing beyond Swing behind Taiwan to show China that it can take the the diplomatic offensive and not just always play catch-up defense. This is, again, all highly explosive. All right, I'm almost done. I'll just read it all. Sticking with things that are easier for markets to get their heads around, but also dangerous, the U.S. and China will review progress of their Phase 1 trade deal on 15 August and, as Reuter puts it, air other grievances, which I presume will include TikTok. It does not take much analysis to see that China is far behind on its pledging purchase commitments from the U.S. That could be put down to COVID-19, of course. What cannot, however, is Beijing pushing ahead with a focus on the domestic market at the expense of imports wherever possible, and in particular in the policy unveiled yesterday to support the development of integrated chip manufacturing by offering 10 years of no corporate taxes. Recall, the U.S. still holds the leading edge with Taiwan in this field, and China is still a large net importer of them. This looks like import substitution with USTR Lithizer will be able to see all the way from D.C. Imagine if the trade deal were to officially collapse, which is something we see eventually happening. Imagine how markets will react then. Especially is the case if there is still no big bang-up in Washington, D.C. on stimulus by then. The latest is talk of both sides digging in and a possibly executive orders of questionable constitutionality. And all the while, as nearly U.S. $2 trillion provided by the Fed sits there in the Treasury accounts and not in household pockets. Markets at least get an inkling of how explosive that combination is when we see bond yields moving towards new lows. Ten-year Treasuries are now at 0.51% and look to be heading for a sub-0.5% close ahead. 
Two years are at just 0.11% and heading for single digits. Five years are already just below 0.2%. Even 30 years are looking at 1.2%. See, I don't know what any of this shit means. Sounds fucking bad, though. Sounds like uh, it's a volatile time for the world. I shouldn't have even read that last article. I don't think anyone's listening anymore, but if you are, I'm sorry for reading that article because I didn't read it very well, (laughs) and I don't even understand it, really. I'm not that smart. But, nonetheless, I'm going to start doing these talks more, and then I'm going to start having guests on, too, who are who are better at explaining stuff. So look forward to that. Uh, another talk coming soon. And, you know, everyone just stay sane out there. Do what you got to do to survive. And I hope you're all doing well. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you're interested in helping me out, you can donate to me at homagethelionkiller.com. Um, you could sign up for the mailing list, you could buy merch, you could do whatever. I should have mentioned that at the beginning, but here I am at the end when I don't know anyone's listening anymore anyways. But you should do that. So thank you so much, everybody. Have a good one. Peace out. When the alarm rings, I awake with a sigh Cause it means I gotta work from 8 until 5 Wasting our lives, scraping out ways to survive Just a slave they replace in a day if you died I despise the monotony, hate the routine But until I hit the lottery, I'll fake it for green Tell you right now, homie, yo, it ain't what it seems There's a lot of nightmares while you're chasing your dreams I've seen all kinds, been around the block a few times That's the reason I ain't trying to talk with you guys The blind stumble through the night, denying what's right they hide from light, they hate me cause I shine so bright Life's like that, and now see your way it can change Staying the same, drowning in the waves of the brain Brace with the pain, most of us living in grief Puzzle isn't complete, must be missing a piece I see despicable guys with political ties You sip a critical lies to trick typical minds Kids are advised to fight wars, risking their lives Kiss them goodbye, then cry once their physical dies These despicable guys with political ties You sip a critical lies to trick typical minds Kids are advised to fight wars, risking their lives Kiss them goodbye, then cry once their physical dies Yo, the punishment I'm giving will be fit for my crime In the nature's often hidden by the crypt of the mind Shit is divine Evil being murdered on sight Why fight? My yoke's easy and my burden is light Path leading up the heavens like a tightrope walk When the hell widens out where the high road stops What I've seen be enough to make your eyeballs pop You will reap what you sow Hope you like those crops Who's God? Who's the devil? What's the goal of this shit? Entire world is a stage Play the role where you fit After all, it's a gamble Can't control what you get Only shit you can do is break the mold and resist Ball of fists, clench your teeth, set the streets on fire Cause when flames come change, what is peace inspired? How much longer will we obey the beast and the lies? Name time is listed close while I preach to the choir Worshiping greed, always taking more than we need Only sheep will believe that we're born to be free If you're a leader for the people, you'll be six feet deep Before you ever get to go and give your next big speech I see despicable guys with political ties You sip a critical lies to trick typical minds Kids are advised to fight Wars risking their lives Kiss them goodbye Then cry once the physical dies These despicable guys With political ties You sip a critical lies To trick typical minds Kids are advised To fight wars Risking their lives Kiss
kiss them goodbye, they cry once the physical dies. Huh. So long, kid, you've been caught in the conflict. And all the small kids gotta die when the bombs hit. Kill the innocent, damage lands and attack. Just imagine living in Afghanistan or Iraq. Let's you back the agenda, they cement to get rid of you. Pakistan to Syria, Yemen into Libya. Pay the giving, you rate worth the karma you'll make. When you try to step in heaven, what is God gonna say? All the modern day weapons used to slaughter the slave men. A powerful enough to turn us all into cavemen. Playing that robotic spraying tomahawk missiles. But you don't talk about it, cause you got your own issues. Bones sizzle in the hot sun till they bleach white. New recruit troops soon die in a brief fight. Leave life in the missing peace might be found. Either way, still nowhere to be seen now. Where'd it go? The missing piece. I can't find it. The piece is gone. There's no more.